To start this sermon series off, we have one of the toughest scriptures in all of the Bible, I think at least. It's a story that is usually very troubling to us. It's the story of the near sacrifice of Isaac by his father, Abraham. How many of you have had problems with this story? Or maybe still do? Yeah. I can see those hands online too, going up in living rooms all across Dallas. Yeah, this is a challenging, challenging story. I hope we can shed some light on the story of the past and, and also some relevance of how it speaks to us, speaks into our present today. The question is, how would a God who is good all the time, God is good all the time, right? And all the time God is good. How would such a God once ask Father Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac? You know, this requested action at first glance is irrational. But it was the practice of most of the early religions in Abraham's era, in that early, early time of existence. That to appease the gods, you made human sacrifices of your firstborn often. And it does seem somewhat rational when you speculate to why Abraham would think um, that he heard God make such a demand. Because it was normal. It was what other religions did. It was what um, was understood that uh, when you make that child sacrifice, it would, would, would bless your fertility both in your home and uh, in your farming or your, um, or your ranching or whatever you were doing related to your well-being. So why would Abraham think that he heard God make such a demand um, it, it, was, it was something that was common. But the real question this morning, the lesson is, don't let anyone or anything so longed for, so desired, become an idol to you. You know, perhaps we've kind of justified this story somewhat and understood that, yeah, we understand why God said this to Abraham. It was to teach him this lesson that nothing should come between um, him and, and his God. You know, I thought of a funny story this week that was um, a story about how we are prone to make idols out of things. Oh, oh we don't call them idols, do we? But, but we find ourselves really committed to things and even persons sometimes that, that we tend to idolize. Well, there was a man who had a new Jaguar, and with all the bells and whistles, he was driving around town. And to say it was loaded was an understatement, according to this story. It had everything. He had stopped at a stoplight, and right beside him pulls up an MG, you know, midget, one of those cars. And, and uh, the guy in the MG rolled down his window, and the guy in the Jaguar rolled down his window as they were stopped at the stoplight, and the guy in the MG said, nice car. What accessories do you have in it? 
And oh, the guy in the Jaguar, he proudly puffed up and he said, well, I have everything in here. I've got a state-of-the-art sound system, a touch-and-talk phone system. I've got a GPS navigator, a computer port, a television. The MG owner said, well, mine has all of that too, but do you have a bed? The Jaguar owner said, no, no, I don't have a bed in here. The MG owner said, well, you, you need a bed. I've got a bed in here, and it is the greatest. If you had a bed, I think you'd be completely decked out in your new Jaguar. And so about that time, the light turned green, and the two cars pulled off, but the Jaguar owner was totally distraught that he didn't have a bed like the MG car owner did. So uh, shortly thereafter, he went to a, a customizing shop and he said, you know, I need you to put a bed in this Jaguar. And the guy looked at him funny. He said, a bed? He said, yeah, a bed. said, somebody told me that I really needed a bed in this Jaguar and I, I need one. So put one in there. So the guy did, and he was equipped with a Jaguar, a Jaguar bed. And, and, and so he drove around town after he got it all situated and, and looking for the guy in the MG. Surely he could find him. And he looked everywhere, and, and, and finally there he was at the next intersection. So he pulled up to him, and he, he motioned to roll down his window. And the, the guy in the midget just barely rolled down his window just a little bit, but enough to hear. And the guy in the Jaguar said, hey, I got me a new bed. A bed in the back, he said, it's, it's great, and you're right, I needed one, so now I have everything that I needed, and I wanted you to know that now I have the top-of-the-line vehicle in this town. And the MG owner said through the crack in the window, do you mean to tell me you got me out of the shower to tell me that? You know, sometimes um, we, we let things get a hold of us, don't we? And, and we just have to have the biggest and the best. We have to have that which we desire and long for. And when, when we get it, some, sometimes we get overwhelmed with who we are and what we have. You see, worship is the act of honoring a being or something inanimate. With our time, our devotion, our money, our attention, our activity, and anything that is so worshipped that it is not God, but is an idol. You know, it can be a car that you want to, um, to be the envy of everyone, like the guy in the Jaguar. It can be a house that you want others to marvel at. It can be an ideology that is not God's way, but, but your way. It can be alcohol. It can be drugs. It can be video games. Uh-oh. It can be a political party. It can be a political candidate that you desire to have in power. It can be an activity like sports or hobbies or even work can become an idol. We need to ask ourselves the question, do, do I spend more time talking about, posting about, giving towards something other than God? And is it in keeping with God's way? 
Do we need to sacrifice those things in order to get our priorities in line? You know, there's no question that God could be about the business of convicting us and Abraham about things that we need to change and even convincing us of things that we need to uh, to do to move us in a new direction. You, you know, Abraham existed before the Ten Commandments, right? There, there was no commandment that says, Had no, have no other gods before me. There, there was no commandment that said, thou shalt not kill. And so Abraham was trying to kind of find his own way with his own relationship with God. The Hebrew people, a people who believed in one God, that, that was started with Abraham and Sarah and their people. In this story, we see the faith of Abraham developing. And the first lesson for him and for us is that God would not want us to have anyone or anything that we worshiped more than God. Now, Abraham's actions and the act that he is about to commit is front and center in this story. But the story is really about who is God. We say every Sunday, God is good. Let's just practice. God is good. And all the time. We've said that for two decades. Would a good God have anyone sacrifice a child? Really? And even if God knew all along that what he was asking Abraham to do, namely kill Isaac and offer him as a burnt offering, what was just a, a way to teach him a lesson, wouldn't that be a really cruel way to teach somebody a lesson? You know, I'm often reminded about James, James Mishner's book, The Source. And there's this scene in The Source. It's about archaeologists, and they find this um, uh, excavation of, of apparently child sacrifices. And, and, the, and the book goes into this, this scene where there is a, a, a weeping mother at the doorway of the house as the father of their firstborn son is taking the boy to the temple to have him sacrificed as a burnt offering there so that fertility would exist in the home and on the farm. And the weeping mother says to her husband, if you had a different God, you'd be a different man. 
It's haunting, isn't it? And yet I think that's what this text causes us to do today, is to really say, well, who is God? Who has God always been? I remember when I was in seminary a long time ago, one book in my very first class in the Old Testament that was introduced to us was a book called the Torah. And the Torah had in it all of this commentary related to the first five books of the Bible. And I was introduced to the Midrash sayings. Now the Midrash is an ancient commentary on part of the Hebrew scriptures. The earliest of these writings was about second century AD, but it's thought that Midrash sayings existed prior to that. In fact, if you look at some of the teachings of Jesus, you wonder if that Midrash wasn't starting to take hold then as well. For Jesus' style of teaching was to take a scripture and say, you have heard it said of old, do not murder, but I tell you, if you have hatred in your heart, you have murdered already. That's like Midrash. You take scripture that sometimes is contradicted in scripture. And if you don't believe there's scripture like that, you haven't read the Bible. And you come up with commentary, these Hebrew scholars did, that in a way offers a new and fresh opinion. Well, here it's been 40 years ago since I first opened that textbook. And I remember to this day the Midrash saying that made the biggest impact on me. It was related to this most controversial text that we're reading this morning about Abraham and Isaac's sacrifice. The Midrash simply said, Abraham misunderstood. And then it went on to say, a God who asks a person what the text appears to ask, namely to sacrifice your child, is not the true God, but one whom humans fashion in their own image. Humans often believe that God wants him or her to sacrifice our children to an imagined demand. But then, it is not God who is cruel, but humans. It is we who all too frequently are prepared to emulate God's offspring, or our offspring to satisfy our own concept of duty and who will restrain his passion before his own sense of righteousness. The history of humanity is replete with misdeeds committed to the name of God or to religion. If we believe, as we say every Sunday before we start worship, that God is good all the time and all the time God is good and God has been good all the time. 
then when things that folk tend to do in the name of God or religion that go against that foundational belief need to be called into account. For God would never have us sacrifice our children. Now, I don't believe that God would even play games with us to see what we would do. I think sometimes we think we hear God say things or want things that are completely out of the nature of who God is. And that is a lesson in and of itself. God shouted to Abraham through an angel, Quit! Don't sacrifice your son. Are you crazy or something? Well, that was my midrash. What, what do you think you're doing? You know, I recently talked to a young cousin of mine who lives here in Dallas. Had the privilege of doing her wedding some years ago. She's a business owner that involves working with hundreds of children. And during this COVID time, it's been challenging to her small business. And they've practiced the safest of practices in order to just stay in business. But really with a deeper conviction to do no harm to children. She's always had this great relationship with her mother, whom I love too. That is until the last couple of years. The, God, the, the, the mom got more and more involved in ideologies. That, the daughter's words were crazy ideologies. And the daughter told me, Mom believes that COVID vaccines are a way of the government tracking us. There's a little chip that goes into the vaccine and goes into your arm, and then it's like you're a dog or something. You know, the government knows where you are all the time. Let me tell you something, the government knows where you are all the time right here. It didn't have to go in your arm. And, and she said she begs me not to vaccinate our grandchildren when they can be vaccinated. And she, had, she, she really did not want me to be vaccinated and really did lecture me to the point that our relationship it nearly broke I don't know what happened she said but mom is different she's different to me she's different to our grandchildren and I've talked to this young woman a couple of times and with tears streaming down her face she said I, I miss my mom it, it's like she said 
she's a part of some sort of cult-like ideology that has taken her away from us. Now, now I wished I could tell you that that young woman was the only young woman or young person that I've talked to about relationships that have been fractured during this weird time that we're in. But she's not. I simply want to ask us, is there any gift from God more precious than our relationships regarding family? Is there any gift from God more precious than our children? Maybe our grandchildren. Don't tell my children I said that. But you get the drift. When we who are in God's way see our children, whether they're our collective children here at church or whether they're the children God's blessed us with in our homes, when when we see them as truly a gift from God, first and foremost, then how could we help but not worship the giver of the gift? And maybe the lesson that God is trying to give not only to Abraham but to us today is that is there anything, any ideology that we should allow or much less embrace that has us sacrifice our children? If you're drinking, if you're drugging, if you're posting, if your harshness, if your racism, if your newfound beliefs, if your new brand of politics, if your new exceptions and mandates on your kids has you sacrificing your relationship with them, quit, says the angel of God. Talk again. Reason again. Pray that God will help you focus on the main thing regarding his gift again. Your children are gifts from God. Honor God. Love your children enough to make any kind of sacrifice of that which comes between you and them, you and God. You know, it was never God's intent for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, right? And every once in a while, we hear about a tortured soul, don't we? Who has heard some message from God and has killed his or her children thinking they were doing what God was commanding. And not only do they spend the rest of their life in prison or worse, execution. There's no one who wouldn't say that was insane 
behavior, right? It is a tragic misunderstanding for anyone, anywhere, at any time to think that this story is about God ever intending anybody to take the life of a child, much to the contrary. If we think that killing one's own child at God's demand is insane today, wouldn't it have been just as insane in Abraham's day? Ask Sarah and see what she thinks about it. There's one more lesson from this great text. And it's about irrational faith, the good kind that says it's not about you making things happen, deserving things to happen. It's about God who provides for you, God's children. Those who depend solely on God, no matter how dire or impossible the circumstance seems. Now the story goes, when they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and he laid the wood in order. Then Abraham bound Isaac and placed him on the altar. Abraham, with tears in his eyes, stood over his son, his longed-for promised son, with a hot coal in one place and a knife in the other, ready to take his son's life when the angel of the Lord said, Quit! What are you doing? That There's a ram right there in the bushes. The angel said, don't you lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him, for we know you fear God. We know that. And we know that you know that God will provide. There's the ram in the bushes. And at the moment of relief, Abraham looked up and saw the ram. The ram that God had provided was sacrificed instead of Isaac. Now we know later on in Scripture God says, I don't even want your rams. I don't want any living thing to be killed on my behalf. I just want a contrite heart. That's it. I just want your heart. I don't want you to kill anything for me. I just want your heart. Father and son worshiped God on the mountain. Scripture says, so Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. That's the name of it. The Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, 
it shall be provided. We can trust God for good outcomes even in the worst of circumstances and times. Do you believe God provides? We can trust God to heal broken relationships. Do you believe God provides? We can trust God to fulfill God's promises. Do you believe God provides? We can trust God to always lead us to repentance, to change of our behavior, to turning from ways that destroy our children to ways that uplift all of God's children of the world. Do you believe God provides? We, we can find a, a world, even a country, that will start talking again and reasoning again. Differing, differing, differing for sure. But respecting for certain. Do you believe God will provide? Why? Why? Because God is good all the time. And we must never, ever forget that. Amen.